I'd like to go to Psalm 102. And this is actually something I had written um, actually to give back in July. And then when I got ready to, to do that, we were actually back in the hospital and didn't work out for me to actually do it. So this one's been setting for a while. And and, and it will probably, um, because of what was going on in that time frame, you'll probably maybe understand a little bit why I looked at Psalm 102 at that time. And, and the title of that psalm, and I'm not going to read the whole thing just because it's, it's fairly long and I don't want to take the time to do that, but you can certainly go back and do that here on your own uh, afterward. Um, but Psalm 102 is, is entitled the, the Prayer of the Afflicted. And it's, it's one of these psalms here that we're really not told who wrote it. Uh, the opening verses uh, tell us that it is the prayer of the afflicted. Um, in the, the first four verses, we can tell that the psalmist um, has this feeling that he's alone, uh, that he's isolated. And there's, there's five petitions that he makes that I think are really interesting. Um, that he, he tells God, he says, hear my prayer. Let my cry come unto thee. Hide not thy face. Incline thy ear. And then he, the fifth one is when I call, answer quickly. Um, and so I'll ask the question here, who, who do we hear in our mind um, speak this? Um, you know, it could be David. If we think about the time when, of his life when Absalom rebelled, uh, there was a place where he felt alone. He had his son against him. The people were kind of dividing where they were going. Um, maybe it was Moses, you know, as he was um, <clears throat> leading a people that was constantly unsatisfied. Uh, they waffled back and forth between sin and and willing to serve God. Um, or maybe it was Job. We, we know when he was attacked by Satan, or uh, maybe it was Daniel. Um, he was afflicted because Israel was still in exile, and the people wanted to stay in the foreign land and weren't going back to Israel as God had commanded them. Or maybe Jeremiah, as he prophesied to a people that wouldn't hear. Um, and I also think that we can, in all of these Psalms, we can hear Christ um, whether it's in joy or infliction, and here infliction, like when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, knowing he was the only option to satisfy the wrath of God, and he was going to die for an unworthy and an ungrateful people. Um, it could have been Paul who was dealing with infighting in the early church, or, or I'll just end it with this. We could go on and on. It, it could be one of us today. I think we all have a time in our lives, or maybe now, maybe it's been in the past, um, maybe for some of us it's still coming, when it's when it becomes dark and we sort of feel isolated and alone and it doesn't even feel like anyone's care cares or is listening. And so we find this psalmist here, he's isolated, he feels the weight of God's silence. Um, he says things like, my, my heart is smitten. I'm in so much distress that I forget to eat. My days are consumed like smoke. They vanish and leave nothing of importance. So, so the, this writer is in distress, but unlike many of the other psalms, we don't see the repentance. So we see this. I'm in distress, but we don't see him coming back and saying, you know, I, I have sinned. Um, so, so in a certain sense, to me, it sort of feels like the story of Job in the sense that this is a righteous man, or at the time of his life, he, he is righteous. He's not suffering because of sin. And I think Spurgeon said it really nicely. He made the comment um, at, at one point, he said, the boat can still be sinking with Jesus in it. So the, this, the, this psalm is probably written by a believer who just can't understand why God is, isn't working and isn't evident. Um, and then he's allowing to suffer a little bit alone here. But when we, as we start to read through this psalm, when we get down to verse 12, we see that the tone flips. All of a sudden, the psalmist, instead of pleading to God, he starts to recognize it. You know, God, God's distant, but he isn't removed. And he begins to remember that God is eternal. And he remembers 
in all generations. Nothing is forgotten. You know, God's going to have mercy on his people. It's going to happen at a time. And in verse 26, he goes a step further. So we go from being in despair to starting to see hope. And then by verse 26, or we, we see despair. Then we start to see that God's here, but he's distant. And in verse 26, we start to see hope. And he knows that God's going to come in judgment and he will save his people. Um, by faith, the singer begins to see beyond the temporal. Um, in Jeremiah, we read that God promised in 70 years, I will bring you back from Babylon. Jeremiah didn't see it happen, but Daniel really came to understand that prophecy and see the beginning of God working to fulfill it. So the question is, why does he change his tone? And, and I think the reason as we read through the psalm is that he bases it on God's character. Um, he bases it on the fact that you will answer and you will hear and you will work. And so do we have that same assurance and confidence in God today? I, I think sometimes we maybe have that. We know in our mind that God is that way, but sometimes we struggle a little bit to bring that around and actually live it and, and make sure that, it, that we really know that it's there. So let's look for, for just a moment on, on the application here that, you know, we can have this knowledge that God will work, but how do we apply it? Um, think about Jesus for a moment here when he was praying in the garden, middle of the night. He was getting ready to be betrayed by Judas, a close friend. He was alone. The disciples he took with him were sound asleep. Here he was sweating drops of blood, knowing what was coming. But what allowed him to submit? In Hebrews, we get a little bit of insight. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 8 through 12, we read a little bit about the conversation between the Father and the Son. And it goes like this. It says, but unto the Son, he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness, is a scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundations of the earth. And the heavens are the works of thy hands. They will perish, but thou remainest. They shall all wax old as doth a garment. And as a vesture shalt thou fold them up. They shall not be changed. They shall be changed, but thou art the same. And thy years shall not fail. In a sense, this is an answer to the prophecies Isaiah made years before. Yes, Jesus is going to be crucified. He didn't deserve it. God is going to raise him up to reign eternally while the things on the earth are going to vanish away. And when that judgment comes, only the righteousness of Christ is going to remain. Everything else is going to vanish away. So at the beginning of the psalm, we, we see this vision of a pelican alone in the wilderness. We see an owl in the desert. We see a sparrow on a housetop alone. We see an illustration of someone who's like what Christ experienced. They're alone. But what happens next? That, that promise of Isaiah 40, 31, that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings. As eagles, they shall run and not be weary, walk and not faint. Now, Christ rose the third day and he soared like an eagle, conquering death and setting us free. So as believers, we need to remember that as we go through life and we maybe start to reflect and we have a part of our life that feels a little bit like Psalm 102. And it, it's been one of the things that I, I'll just be personal here, that, I, that over the last three and a half weeks, I've really kind of made important to me is the fact that we're singing the harmony. Christ has the melody. He's pitched it. He set the tempo. He is the same Lord yesterday, today, and forever. And just like as Jesus leaves the tomb, one day we'll come out of that darkness, just as the psalmist did, and we'll soar into eternity on that effortless flight of an eagle riding a wind. They didn't create. They're just taking advantage of it. 
So I guess the encouragement here as I, as I wrap up, as we go forth and pray today, I, I just encourage you to, and this is something I personally struggle with, is bringing my cares to God and letting him have them. I tend to throw them out there and then sort of start trying to reel them back in. And, and we see that the psalmist didn't do that. He threw it out there and then he flipped that tone. He went with hope. He went onward believing that, yeah, I'm feeling desolate. Yes, I'm feeling down. But there is hope. There's hope if we cast our care in the Lord and allow his spirit to raise us up. That we can, we may be like Moses and Jeremiah. We may not see the full fulfillment. But we can be confident that God is going to work and we can bring our cares to him because he is our blessed redeemer.